Well, good morning, everyone. We're finishing up, there we go. <laughs> we're finishing up a year, and we're facing a new year, not only a new year, but a new decade, uh, the 20s. So this is kind of a strange Sunday. It's between Christmas series and the new series that starts next week, and we're going to give you a preview of that. So let's do that first. <clears throat> we got that, guys? We don't have it. Okay. All right. Let me know later. <laughs> We're going to t- I want to talk to you about something personal to me. I'm going to talk to you as your pastor this morning, uh, making your faith journey more exciting. <clears throat> I'm going to share with you something I hope happens in and, uh, and through you and through us in this coming year. Um, <clears throat> if you were to say to me, Pastor, what do you, what do you hope happens? Uh, to me as part of this church this year. This would be part of my answer. Now, sometimes uh, I may be boring, church may seem boring, but our faith journey never, never should be boring. And if yours seems to be that way, if it seems to be flat, dull, or boring, uh, we want to talk about that a little bit this morning. <clears throat> and if you're not a Jesus follower, you can kind of listen in and see uh, kind of the things we're about. Now, I'm going to share five different things. Don't focus on all five of them. Let me just say it that way. Just focus on one or two. Uh, Sometimes when we make New Year's resolutions, we make too many of them and then we don't keep them. Um, The series we're going to do in January will help you with whatever decisions you've made to to make your spiritual journey more more exciting. So, Let's start with the first one. This is kind of a catch-all, and the other four will kind of fit under this, this first one. We'll spend more time on this one. So my, one of my dreams for you, if you ask me that question, would be that you would have a courageous act of obedience that cost you something. A courageous act of obedience, not little acts of obedience, big acts of obedience, courageous acts of obedience, and not things that really don't cost you anything, something that really cost you something. Now, we really believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and I'm going to use the word nudges us. And if you're a Jesus follower, you experienced that, right? In fact, you experienced it when you became a Jesus follower, the spirit of you nudging you to accept the gift. And so it may be uh, nudging you into a relationship. It may be nudging you out of a relationship. It may, may nudge you to take steps in your finances. It may be nudging you to ask somebody to forgive you. Uh, it might be to accept somebody's forgiveness. I, I don't know what it is. But we get those nudges, and we know God's wanting us to do something or not do something. Sometimes we do it, and sometimes we don't do it. Now, when we give in to it, or when we surrender to it, or when we actually do what the nudge would indicate we should do, then we describe that as that's becoming deeper in your faith. Now, I grew up in a church, my sister too, where they describe deeper as all these theologically complicated issues. <laughs> and we studied Revelation a lot. All right? That kind of, people that study Revelation a lot are deep. No, 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 not necessarily deep. So I want to explain what deep is really. Deep is not information. Deep isn't complicated sermons. Deep is transformation. Transformation means change. We talk about every week, changing together. God wants us to change. Obviously, change for the better. 
So when you and I are changing for the better, becoming more like Jesus, that's when we become deep. So when we obey, when we obey the nudge, that's the way to become deeper. When we say yes, when we don't know where it's going to lead, um, I thought of Abraham. God said to Abraham, <laughs> all right, I want you to head south and I'll tell you where to stop. <laughs> That's pretty interesting, right? Uh, and you think about whoever you think are heroes in the Scriptures, or maybe your spiritual heroes through history, or maybe even heroes today. It's not because of all the information they know, uh, or the Bible they know, even that may impress you. Uh, the reason they're heroes is because they are, have been transformed. One of mine is George Mueller. He lived in the 1800s in England. He was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, who's another one of mine. But anyway, he ran an orphanage. An orphanage. But let me tell you how he ran this orphanage. He never asked for money. Never. What did he do? He prayed. He just prayed. And food would show up on the, on the steps of the orphanage. Now, that's a hero to me. Not because of how much he knew, but because he had the faith to believe God would provide for him and, and, and the orphans. <clears throat> I don't know what it is for you. Uh, maybe you need to change jobs. Uh, maybe you need to get out of a relationship. <laughs> Maybe you need to jump into a relationship. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about money in a few minutes. Maybe it's to do some radical changing in the way you deal with your finances. But back to deep. Deep is when you can't touch bottom. You know, I can't touch the bottom. This, this, this pond is deep. This lake is deep. That's in the physical realm. But in the spiritual realm, deep is obedience with no guarantee of outcome. Did Abraham know what the outcome was going to be? He had, no, he had no clue. And we often don't have a clue. But if God doesn't show up, we're in trouble, right? <laughs> we're kind of out there on the limb. And we sometimes use the word wrestling. And I'm sure your experience is like mine, especially when I was 17. I was wrestling with this old preacher thing. That's the last thing in the world I wanted to be was a preacher. Uh, not because I wasn't, didn't love God, it was just I didn't want to stand in front of people and talk. Guess what? I've been doing for the last 40 years. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I wrestled with that. I kept telling God no, and God kept saying yes. And It's kind of funny to say no to God, isn't it? You're going to change his mind? You're not going to change his mind. So anyway, um, so that was, began an exciting journey because I didn't know where it was going to take me. And you don't either. Now, in that case, when you're in the midst of that struggle, that wrestling, <laughs> that nudge, does anybody have to tell you, oh, you should pray? Duh. That's all you do, right? God, what do I do? What do I do? What's coming next? Does anybody have to tell you to study the Bible, go to church? No, no, no. That, that, you, you want as much connection with God as you can so you can get the answers and you get the direction. We're going to talk about direction or destinations uh, starting next week. So faith isn't I believe. Faith is I'm going to act on what I believe. I always use this illustration. There's people that say, if you ask them, do planes fly? They'll say, sure, I see them fly all the time. Won't get on one. 
That's not faith. Faith is getting on the airplane and letting it take off. That's faith. And the same thing in our spiritual life. Faith isn't just believing God can do something. It's going out there and, and depending on God to actually do what He says. We talked about that last week. Faith is believing God, what God says. <clears throat> now, when we do that, and hopefully you, you can all point to experiences in your life, when you've done that, we call those defining moments in our faith. Um, many of you heard this one, but it's one of my favorite. Uh, back about 1980, my wife and I felt called to become foreign missionaries. We didn't know what country at that point. And it was roadblocks. Uh, my wife didn't have any college education. I married her right out of high school. <laughs> and uh, we had two little kids. Uh, Micah was one, I think, and Josh was three. And so she started taking classes at the community college. Plus, we were pastoring a small church, didn't have money to pay for college, but the government, when you're poor, pays for college. You know that? Pell Grants. So, after four years, she had her two-year degree. We jumped some th through some other loops, hoops, hoops, loops, <laughs> and uh, it was time to go. Summer 84. One other hoop we had to jump through. We had a house. We had a mortgage on a house. And the mission board, which is wise, won't let you go overseas with a mortgage, with you know, financial debt back here in the United States. So, um, called a realtor. A realtor comes by, puts a sign out in front of our house. This is a little smit, small split foyer. And we get a call that evening saying, somebody wants to look at your house. So the next day, they come and look at our house, put a contract on the house, full price. Let me tell you what the interest rates were in summer 85. I looked it up. 15%. 15%. Full price. That was a defining moment. Okay, God, we got it. We get it. You want us to go. And it becomes emotional. There's defining moments that it's just so emotional. Even when I'm sitting here thinking about it and sharing it with you, that God would do that for us. And see, none of you can argue with me about that, can you? You can't tell me that didn't happen. You might say it was coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. But you can't, you can't argue with that. Nobody can argue with your faith journey, your, especially defining moments in your faith. Now, on the flip side, if you ignore those, if you keep ignoring those nudges and you keep pushing God away and you keep pushing God away, it gets easier to push God away. The problem is your faith journey becomes dull and flat and boring. And people leave the church all the time. It's not because, oh, I don't believe God exists anymore. It's just, it just doesn't seem to matter. You know, my life's kind of, kind of the same if I go to church, but I don't go to church. If God's involved, God's not involved. No, 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 no. I explain it this way. <clears throat> Most of you know my wife. <laughs> Can you imagine my, my marriage to my wife being boring? Anybody? No, I have this exciting relationship with this exciting person. Well, if that's true of my wife, how much more is, is it or should it be with Almighty God? So, what makes your faith, make you rich in faith? Excuse me. Not what you're learning. It's good to learn stuff. Not what you're learning, but what you're experiencing. And I find people that aren't ex have an exciting relationship with God, they become these people that complain about silly stuff, like, 
why are the walls that color? Why is the carpet that color? Or something like that. So if you find yourself complaining about silly stuff, maybe you need to examine your relationship with God a little bit. Uh, you're probably not doing it right. Well, that's the way to, right way to say it. And then we think, what if I didn't? Back in 1984, what if we didn't say yes to God and go on the mission field? How different would our life be? Uh, it's just mind-boggling. I probably wouldn't be here. I was pastoring Greenbrier at that time. I might be, still be pastoring Greenbrier Baptist Church. I don't know. Everything would have been different. I might not have known any of you. Well, I would have known Maine and Fred, but anyway. Um, so I'm going to kind of shorten it for you in some way. Hopefully you can remember. When you know, you've got to go. When Abraham knew, he had to go. When we knew, we had to go. In fact, I didn't share this in the first service. In 1990, came back from the mission field for a year. God said, I don't want you to go back. That was harder than going. Because, God, we just learned the language. We've dealt with relationship with the people. Uh, God, you, 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 this is not good stewardship. You ever tell God <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing? Uh, this is not good stewardship. You know, you could really use this now. God said, no, no. And he confirmed it. Another missionary couple took over where we were working and, and everything. And, of course, long story short, we've been here the last almost 30 years. <clears throat> Again, you don't have to pray about this. Ask somebody to pray for those things. Um, Again, I don't know what the situation might be in your life. Uh, it might be a relationship that you need to end, a relationship you need to work on. Uh, again, your finances. Uh, I don't know what it is. But that becomes a story you get to tell. Uh, lots of examples. I'll just give you one. Almost two years ago now, my wife went to the Dominican Republic to hand out those Christmas boxes. Now, it would have been easier to say, oh, that's a hassle. You know, I, and it's going to be expensive. It costs a lot of money to do it. And, you know, uh, I'm going to be on my own for a week, which isn't that big a deal. But anyway, um, but she went. And it's one of those defining moments in her life. She'll never forget it. And it's emotional to her. It's emotional to us when she tells us about it, right? Now, can you imagine what she would have missed out on if she hadn't? she hadn't gone. And we all can look back on our lives at things God has nudged us to do and, and say, yeah, well, imagine if I, I hadn't. I didn't share this the first service either, but uh, graduated from seminary. My pastor said, hey, this little church, you might want to help. And I said, okay, I don't know what else to do. I'm, no, no church wanted me <laughs> out of seminary, even no experience. And so I started helping this church out, a little country church and uh, not very many people there, nobody my age. I was 24 at the time. <clears throat> and anyway, long story short, <laughs> there was this cute little girl there. She was just turning 18. <laughs> um, by the name of Debbie Jenkins. And she caught my eye, and by the end of the year, we were married. And how different would my life be if I had said, ah, I don't think I'll bother go visit that church and help them out. So we, we, we have these stories. Now, I know sometimes it seems like God is on your case, maybe on your case all the time. Doesn't it seem like it? Let me ask you a simple question. 
Why? Why is God on your case? Parents, why do you get on your kid's case? Because you love them and you want what's best for them, right? And that's exactly what God does. So when God's nudging you, when God seems to be on your case, it's because God loves you and wants what's best for you. Now, there's this interesting incident in the New Testament where Jesus interacts with three different people. And we could call it nudging. He called it follow me. And uh, notice the outcome for these, these three men. This is in uh, Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> Jesus is walking along with his disciples. And somebody in the crowd said, I will follow you wherever you go. Well, that sounds pretty cool, right? Come on, I, I need more followers. No, no. Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. What was he telling this guy? <laughs> You're not ready. You don't know what's going to be involved in following me. That's just wishful thinking. Next guy. This guy volunteers. Oh, no, this guy got, that first guy volunteered. This guy Jesus talked, uh, invites. He says, come follow me. Then he agrees. No, wait a minute. <laughs> but, you ever decide something and then put a but on it? What did you just decide? Not to do it, or not to do it yet. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Now, experts tell us, scholars tell us, the guy's father probably wasn't even dead. He might not even been sick yet. He said, I want to follow you, but I want to wait till you know, the inheritance passes to me, and I'm in control of everything, and... And then sometime, you know, way out then, <laughs> I'll follow you. Jesus is pretty harsh with this guy. He says, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go. Your duty is to go. In this case, preach about the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you something. Do we know this guy's name? Do you know the first guy's name? We're going to read about another guy. Do you know what his name is? I don't know what they gained from not following, from not going, but I can guarantee you it's no comparison to what they lost by not going. And then the third one was this way. Another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But first, <laughs> but first, let me say goodbye to my family. I got some, that seems fair enough. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I don't know if he's glad he did. Again, I, what he missed out on was certainly greater than what he gained. And it's the same thing with you and I. We don't know what hangs in the balance or maybe who hangs in the balance of us being obedient to God, our duty to go. So... <clears throat> That's the big one. <laughs> then we're going to do three, four shorter ones. Uh, second one being this. My dream for you is that you know uh, the thrill of knowing you were instrumental in someone's decision to follow Jesus. Someone came to follow Jesus, and you had a part of it. We have baptismal videos. We're going to do that soon. And we always ask the people in our interview process, who had a part? And sometimes they say me, because that makes sense. I stand up here and teach the Bible. Um, but it's exciting if somebody said, hey, so-and-so, Sunday school teacher, friend, relative, somebody, they were instrumental 
and me becoming a Jesus follower. There's no greater thrill than that, folks. No greater thrill. Let me ask you a simple question. When was the last time you were nervous on Sunday morning because you invited some unchurched person? And you're thinking, oh, I don't know if they're going to like it. Preacher better be good today. Music better be good today. People better be nice. The building better be clean. When was the last time that happened to you? It becomes emotional. It becomes part of our, uh, our walk, our experience. So that's one of my dreams for you. Another dream for you is this. <clears throat> the freedom and joy that comes from organizing your financial wor- world around give, save, live. Now, we all have lots of stuff. But the question is, does your stuff have you? Uh, whose are you? Um, Jesus said it beautifully this way. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Stuff. <laughs> what happens to stuff? Well, moths can eat it, rust can destroy it, thieves can break into steel. Store up treasures in heaven. Moth and rust can't destroy. No thieves in heaven, I guess. <laughs> they can't break in. Wherever your treasure, here's the key. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, if you don't like your heart, you want your heart to be different, how do you make it different? Put your treasure there. Jesus is really practical. He doesn't say pray about it, which is fine to pray about it. He doesn't say study about it. He doesn't say work at it. He says put your treasure there and your heart will follow. We say it this way sometimes in counseling. It's much easier to act your way into a feeling than feel your way into an action. If you wait till you feel like it, you probably never do it. If you want a different heart, change the place you put your treasure. And then he finishes up this way. No one can serve two masters. You hate one, love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. And so that's one reason we're offering this class, and we've offered this class over and over again. You don't want to be a slave to money or to the master. So let me ask you, does God have all access to you? Well, first, does He have all access to your finances? And then after, does He have all access to you? Because that's where freedom comes. That's where freedom comes spiritually. That's where freedom comes financially. Now, do you have a financial plan? We call that a budget. Let me give you kind of a hint how to help you with that. If you start with a giving plan, then you'll end up with a spending plan. This is how it works. Okay, I want to give this much. So if I can give this much, I've got to figure out how to live on the rest, right? And hopefully save some of it. So that's one of my dreams for you. Quickly, we do two others. That you would see the difference your commitment and generosity has made in our community and all over the world. You folks have been great. Uh, your giving your time, your talent, your finances, etc. Just take two minutes and show you a recap of this past year, and it's just awesome what God's done.
Cody. Isn't that awesome? Every time I see it, I can't believe it. <laughs> and we're not a big church, but man, God can do big things, can He? Um, oh, lost the screen. Um, so, when I think of that list also, I, what comes to mind? I get tired just thinking about it. <laughs> so, this verse addresses that. Uh, <clears throat> don't get tired or weary doing what is good. Right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. And folks, we're not giving up. I know we're not giving up. Do you get tired sometimes? I get tired. I get weary. We can't give up. And then this last point, I want to just address anybody that may not be a Jesus follower. And if you're here, you must be here for a reason. Or watching online. My dream for you is that you keep seeking, asking, and knocking. That you would take a step. See, you can follow before you believe. Disciples did that. Jesus said, come follow, come follow. They didn't know anything. And their faith was up and down, but evidently that's okay. But eventually you need to step across that line. And so that would be my dream for you. I just want to say thank you, folks. I'm grateful to, for all of you. I am thankful to God that I get to be your pastor. Um, this is awesome. You're an awesome group. Um, I wanted to leave you with a word of encouragement about the church, though, because sometimes we hear, see statistics and it's discouraging, especially the United States. There's like 10% of the population in the last decade have become nuns, meaning they're not affiliated anymore. And the statistics can be depressing. So quickly, something Jesus and the disciples were talking about. <clears throat> Jesus said, hey, guys, what's my rep out there? What do people think about me? And they said, oh, they, some people think you're kind of a reincarnation of one of the prophets or something. Then he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Simon Peter usually jumped in and answered questions, sometimes wrong, sometimes right, this time right. You're the Messiah. Now, they've been waiting a thousand years for this Messiah. They thought to, you know, bring, usher in this, this wonderful kingdom here on earth. 
But he also says, then, the Son of the living God. And what's Jesus' reply? He says, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my faith, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, now, I think the Catholic Church gets this wrong. They didn't, we, the church isn't built on Peter, is it? What's the rock that he's talking about? It's the proclamation that, this, that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's what the church is built on. And since it's built on that, guess what? All the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so it's really important to us, 2,000 years later, we're part of that assembly, that church, that body of Christ. It's important that we get it right. And we do the best job we can to get it right. And we could be, should be encouraged. The church will be here past me, past you. So, what's God nudging you to do? Have you invited somebody and you're nervous about them coming? Got a plan for your finances? This is my dream as your pastor for you this coming year. Let's pray. Uh, thank you, God, uh, for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. I can't imagine the Christian life being boring, uh, being dull, but we sometimes get there. And so for some folks here, it may seem that this morning. So God, I would pray that they would... Uh, Take a step of obedience that costs them something. That's when it gets exciting. That's when it gets fun. And we thank you for that. I thank you for my pilgrimage and where you brought me. God, we look forward to this coming year, this coming decade. We don't know what you're going to do, but we know it's going to be awesome. So, God, I, I pray for anyone that's maybe not a, a Jesus follower yet, that they'll at least make the decision to to, to take a step in that direction, to, to be a little more serious, to check it out a little bit more. And because we know, God, that you would be nudging them that way. And we thank you, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.